Hey friends, today's episode is brought to you by Engageo, the leader in account-based marketing and sales with their all-in-one solution. Are you familiar with account-based marketing and sales? I mean, if you're selling to the enterprise, to big business, account-based strategies are the new wave of doing business. If you're selling to the enterprise, if you're dealing with multiple decision makers, if you need to close larger deals, then an account-based approach is a necessity. However, while there's a lot of talk out there about account-based marketing and sales, there's very little actionable advice on strategies and tactics you need to take. So our friends at Engageo asked dozens of independent sales and marketing experts, leaders in their fields, to contribute their recommendations about what you need to know to get started with it. And Engageo has compiled the collective wisdom of these experts into a most comprehensive guide that reveals everything you need to know about using account-based strategies to win bigger deals. It's called The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. It's free, and you need it. So head over to Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate and grab your copy today. That's Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to Accelerate. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 443 of Accelerate, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. In a sales slump? Visit accelerate.fm forward slash spark to find out how to spark a sales turnaround by downloading actionable advice from 300 of the world's leading sales experts. That's at accelerate.fm forward slash spark, and that's spelled S-P-A-R-K. Joining me on the show today is Lolly Daskal. Lolly is a leadership executive coach, works with many Fortune 500 CEOs. She's a speaker and author of the great new book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. So Lolly, does everyone have greatness within them? I truly believe that every single person does have greatness within them. And how do they know? <laughs> That's the question, right? How do, or how, so, do, how, how do people become convinced of the fact that, that they do have this, this greatness or potential for greatness within them? So, it actually, I'll give you a little hint. There are times in our lives when within our body, we feel energetic. We feel good. In our mind, it feels like we're in flow. In our lives, it feels like everything is adding up and everything is in sync. I'm not saying this happens all the time, but I'm sure everybody that's listening to your podcast has one time or another has had these three things happen. Your body feels energetic, your mind feels in flow, and everything seems to be working out. It's almost like the dots are all connected. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments that we are standing in our greatness. Hmm. Interesting. So you have to be able to recognize that. I mean, and you, you talk about this concept flow in, in the book. I talk about it flow in a book because I want people to realize it. So you see, most of us are so busy being distracted and running from one thing to the next that sometimes we don't slow down long enough to realize that we have something within us that we might not be tapping into. Some people think success is like just doing, 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 doing. And I find that in order to tap into greatness, we almost have to stop listen to ourselves, find ourselves, reflect about ourselves in order that we can unleash it. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's it's interesting. You talked, you use the word running from thing to thing, but it's, it's actually, in some cases, I think like people actually run from greatness, run from their potential to succeed. I really think people are running fast almost in their external life. So they have, they evade or they avoid 
about self-reflection and self-examination. That's what I that's what I find with most people. It's like, what can I be busy with so I don't have to think about myself? So, do you find that true? Because you have among your your clients, you know, it's Fortune 500 CEOs and and global 500 CEOs and so on. Is is do you find that true among them as well? Or have they gotten to that position because they have done the self-reflection? They have assessed themselves? Absolutely not. They have not assessed themselves. <laughs> when when I start to work with them, they're the ones that are running, running, running. They're not running from their greatness in as much as they're running towards what they think is greatness. And when they miss the mark, sometimes it costs them in a way that you know, maybe they're not connected to their team or maybe their organization isn't thriving the way they want it. Or maybe the board feels that they could be a better leader and they go, Lolly, go help him. Whatever the whatever the, the reason is, usually a CEO is not very reflective. I'm the one that comes in and teaches them what it means to slow down, to go faster, what it means to work smarter, not harder. I think that's what a coach usually does. And that is my job to begin with, to enlighten my clients about what true leadership is and how it can get them to greatness. Well, let's unpack the this idea of the true leadership because, you know, you've written the book, The Leadership Gap, but it, I mean, it's sort of like Dan Pink talked in his book about to sell as human is, is, you know, everybody's basically in sales these days is some degree or another, everybody leads. Everybody leads. If anybody, this is what I always say to everybody that I meet in an organization, if someone is listening to you, someone pays attention to what you say, someone follows what you say, you're influencing, you're impacting someone, you are a leader and you have to own that. You have to take responsibility for that. It's not, it. these days, thank God, people are are learning the truth is that you don't have to have the title or, or the position. It's about how you influence and how you impact someone. That's what that's what today I think is a definition of leadership. Yeah. And so we have an audience here that listens to this podcast. That's the, it's, you know, thousands of people that are basically in the sales profession. Influence is a you know, central part of, of what they do is I've always thought that just the act of selling something to somebody is 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 a leadership act. You, know, you have to inspire somebody to take action with you. And you know what's interesting about that in sales? In sales, people don't really buy about what you're selling. People buy who you are, buy from who you are. So that's even more important that you know how you have greatness within you. And, and you know, when we talk about greatness, I want to just define that. This is not a concept of what I'm talking about ego. This is a concept of knowing your capabilities. It's knowing about your confidence. It's tapping into your integrity. It's about being someone who people can trust. It's about being someone who is loyal. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about greatness. So I want people to be very clear about what I'm looking at and sounding like and talking about because, you know, greatness can mean many things to uh, many people, but I want to define what I mean by greatness. Well, and so what it sounds like what you're saying is that, and I think this this would be right, hopefully, is, is that greatness is really the um, it's like having the ingredients for success. It's, the greatness is not the success itself. It's having the the ingredients that enable you to succeed. Perfect. It's exactly what I always say. It's having the characteristics of what it means to be successful. You need, I always say to my clients, you need a code of conduct. 
What is your code of conduct? What are your values? What are your principles? Because that will lead you to greatness. If you know what your code of conduct is, if you know your principles, any fast decision that you have to make will come easy to you because you can always say, oh, I'm a man or I'm a woman of integrity. Oh, I have confidence and I'll do this or I am loyal, so I'll do this. The reason you have those principles is so that you can live your effervescent life. So you could live the kind of, you know, most of us vibrate on very high levels and we're always doing a lot of things at one time. Mm -hmm. So how do we make our decisions clearly and definitively? We have to do it from our code of conduct, from these, what I call core principles of who we are. Well, yeah. And I, okay. So let's, let's talk about the gap first. So, so entitled book, the leadership gap. So what is this gap you've identified? What I have identified, and it's interesting because this came to be true for me, and I'm in my business for over three decades. When I first started out working with individuals, I would hear things over and over and over again, and it started to create a pattern in my coaching and in my consulting. People were talking about seven things over and over and over again, and then I said to myself, wow, these are weaknesses within human beings, not only the people that I work with, but it seems like everybody's talking about it. And I found them to be, because I'm a uh, Jungian, and he talks about that we all have shadows within us. And I found that we have within us these gaps that sometimes lead us down a road we don't want to go. And usually they come out when we're stressed. Usually they come out when we're not thinking clearly. Usually it comes out when we're challenged. What I have found is, and I know we want to talk about the gaps, but I really want to stress this, is that within us, there is a polarity. Within us, there's we can be standing in our greatness or we can be leading from our gaps. And we have to be aware of the polarity within us because then we can choose who we want to be. But within us, there's just as much weakness as there is greatness and strength. Yeah, I mean, you, you identify these seven archetypes you know, based on uh, Jungian construct, Carl Jung. And, yeah. and yeah, each one is, yeah, you identify it by its name, let's say rebel. But on the other hand, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you said the other pole is the imposter, right? Yeah. So, so each of those, you said, we fit somewhere, sort of, we may embody one of those body one of these primarily, but we also have the opposite in us as well. We have both, we have the polarity within us because most people will talk about finding your strengths. Most people will do all these discs assessment and strength mm -hmm. finders and they'll do Myers-Briggs and all of that. But what that does is it only talks about your strengths and how you can move forward. But I even know a leader that I coach and she loves telling me how she's in woo from her strength finder. And I keep telling her that her woo is great, but it ends up costing her sometimes in her greatness because, you know, she thinks she's charming, but she comes across as a manipulator and people roll their eyes when she talks and they don't feel charmed by what she talks about. And so people need to realize that the same strength that you have sometimes can stop working against you and they do end up costing you a gap. And you have to be mindful of this. Well, in this gap, I, I liken it based on, on reading the book is, I, I call it a curiosity gap, right? Is, is that when you become, so you talk about, you give examples of, of leaders that they become self-satisfied, that they've learned all they need to learn, and they stop changing and evolving because they don't look inward. They don't think about who they are and, and these elements for greatness they need to have. 
Absolutely. And so there are many, many stories in the book from across the world. You know, you step into the offices, the intimate offices of Fortune 500 CEOs and into the boardrooms, and you get to understand that each one of these leaders, even though they've reached some great heights, they have gaps. And it's only through the awareness. Some people get it through coaching. Some will get it by reading this book and they'll recognize it within themselves. But you, it sometimes takes an outside force to ask the question, you are great at what you do, but are you really where you need to be? And sometimes the answer is, actually, a lot of times it's no. And then the question is, are you are you doing the same thing and expecting you now to grow to the next level? And if that is true, they won't get you there. You need to pivot. You need to transform. You need to look at your gaps and see if it's keeping you from who you want to be. Yeah, I, mean, I have this favorite saying from this Italian playwright, uh, Giuseppe Lampedusa, I wrote this play called The Leopard back in the 50s. And uh, the, the quote is, if we want things to stay as they are, things will have to change. And, and I always say, I, I don't know, I think that's fantastic, and I'm going to write that down. And I always say, if we're no longer able to change a situation, guess what? We have to change ourselves. Yeah, and you, and you, you make that point in the book. And as you said, sir, one of the lessons you learned from Viktor Frankl is, is, yeah, if you can't change the situation we're in, then change yourselves. If we, you know, if we have to sort of uh, rethink what we think we know about ourselves and really pinpoint what we don't know. Right. In the book, I, I use the word rethink as because it's the rethink for the seven archetypes. And when I wa work with organizations, it's called the rethink system because the rethink stands for an acronym for the seven archetypes and personas that I talk about throughout the book. Yeah, which are, and we'll get to those in just a second, the rebel, explorer, truth teller, hero, inventor, navigator, knight. So that's your, your rethink right there. Yeah. So complacency really is it's sort of funny when we talk about leaders and leadership and people are successful but really what you're identifying is a certain complacency which which sort of seems at odds right with people that have achieved a certain level of success or for any of those of any of listening or those of us who are listening is, is saying yeah we we're not really complacent we're still struggling yet there is if we refuse to change we are being complacent you know, the idea is I try to take it out of struggle and I always have my clients reframe that and say we're a work in progress. And if you stop progressing, you stop thriving and growing and you stop learning. So for me, I think true leadership is always when you're evolving, growing, changing, transforming, that equals success, that equals greatness. Well, and for those listening in and sales audience, this is this is the key to succeeding because you know our customers aren't standing still, our markets aren't standing still, the products aren't standing still. We can't certainly can't stand still. We can't you know as soon as we think we know, and you identify this in the book. As soon as you think you know everything there is to know, then you start stagnating. Yeah, you know I love thinking about Steve Jobs. Right, Steve Jobs is a pretty smart man, right? But what did he do? Think about this. He surrounded himself with A-plus players, people that were much smarter than he was. Why? Because he wanted to evolve. He wanted to grow. He wanted to learn. It's the same thing with sales. You have to ask yourself, what can I do today to be better tomorrow? What did I learn about today that tomorrow I could be different? It's a ritual that most salespeople can say to themselves because they can always be growing and always be evolving and always be learning. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's – and you and I have had this conversation before. It's, it's why – why I do this podcast, right? I, I every day I surround myself with someone smarter than me, and we have a great conversation, and and it helps me continue to to learn and evolve 
after decades in this profession, I never convinced that I know everything there is to know. No, I don't feel that either. That's why I read a book a day because I want to be learning something new every day so I could be growing and learning. And I, for me, that has been an amazing ritual. And you get to have a podcast and you get to learn from others. And I learn from others, but through reading. A book a day. For 27 years. A book a day. So are you... Yeah, graduate the Evelyn Wood speed reading course, or <laughs> oh, you want to know something funny? I'm recording the audiobook um, of my book, The Leadership Gap, and the director keeps telling me, Lolly, every little word like a of is the you keep skipping. Why don't you read every single word in the sentence? And I think it comes from reading every morning. <laughs> you don't read I prepositions. Just, I don't. I don't. So here it is. That's the secret. I don't. I I read a sentence, but I leave out those like to or there or they, and I just read the most the bigger words of the sentence just to get the gist of what it's trying to say. <laughs> Kids, don't try this at home. Um, okay, but I but I can retain information that sure. way. All right. So let, let's. Dig into these archetypes. So we describe the seven that yeah we all fit into one of these seven: the rebel, the explorer, truth teller, hero, inventor, navigator, knight, uh, knight like an you know knight of old days. So are any of these more prevalent than any of the others? So I want to rephrase the what you said, and sure. what I believe is that all of us have all of these archetypes within us. Do okay. we tend? Do we tend to lean into something more than others? Yes. Depending on what business you're in and what actually challenge that you're being faced with. But the truth is we have all of them. And um, because I believe we're whole people and I believe that they show up in different kinds of ways. So you might be saying, oh, but I'm more like the rebel and I'm really not about the night. But the night is about loyalty. And how many times in your life, in your business, in your relationship and partnerships, did loyalty come up? I think it comes up a lot. So we have to rethink. This is, again, we have to learn and reassess what we really think about these archetypes because they tend to show up more than we know. So as someone who's thinking about, okay, leadership gaps and how we address these, yeah. then do they have to go through each seven or, so, should, or do they say, okay, I, I'm primarily this and yeah, I'm primarily a rebel, let's say, so I wanna, I'm going to start here. So that's a great question because the trick about this system is that it's situational. So if you're a salesperson, you have to make a phone call and let's say you have some really bad news to tell your clients and your customer. Mm -hmm. You need to be the truth teller. You need to tell the truth instead of the deceiver who comes across and creates suspicion. These archetypes are situational. Whatever is going on in the moment, we can choose which archetype to be so we can stand in our greatness instead of leading from our gaps. Maybe you'll need to be the hero, the one who's courageous with the client, instead of the bystander who's a coward because they're fearful. So it's really important to assess the situation because that's what these archetypes are. It's not that we lean in and we're only always the rebel. It is depending on our circumstances and our challenges, that's who the archetype we need to become. Okay, well, I, I, I love that. And that provides some great context. And so, for, I just wanted to spend time talking about the rebel because I sort of 
led with that sort of, I think that aligns with a lot of what people do in sales is terms of sort of focusing on changing the status quo or helping buyers make decisions to change status quo. Um, and you talk a lot about confidence in there, but saying confidence is enough because salespeople, at least stereotypically, are perceived to be, hey, I'm so confident, self-confident that, you know, hey, they could sell anything. So the interesting thing is um, I had a conversation with Bob Berg and I distinguished for him what confidence is. And he's like, oh, I love that. Repeat that. He made me repeat it like three times. And so I believe confidence is not have it's not about ego and it's not about standing in the mirror in the morning saying, I'm the greatest and doing power pose and say, I'm the best at what I do. I don't believe that's what confidence is. I believe confidence is your capabilities plus your competence equals your confidence, meaning what you're really good at, what you can master brings you your confidence. And this is what I told um, Bob Berg. I said to him, confidence is believing you're able and competence is knowing you're able. So by knowing that, you get your confidence from your competence. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah, no, no I, was, I, was, I, was, I was taking a note. <laughs> so... Um, because you went really quiet. I'm yeah, like, yeah. No, uh -oh. I, was, I was right. Right. That was a good point. I just want to make sure I remembered because you know, I, I have, otherwise I have to go back and listen to the, the whole recording and try to find this particular note. Is so, um, you make the statement that you so think that the most successful yeah. people are the most competent. You say the truth is the most successful people are the most competent. Is, is that really true? Yeah, because what happens is is that they have these competencies, right? They're masters at something. And because they are the master at what they do, they can go out and change the status quo. They can go out and change the status quo. They can go out and do something different. They could make something impactful. They can they can turn the world upside down. They can do whatever they want to do because they do do have that. It's you see, I don't think um, competence is isolation of confidence. It's the marriage of the two that makes you the rebel. Interesting. Well, I think of that in the, in the sales context is, is you know, I, I think I see times, sometimes that, that people are really confused about what they need to be competent in. Mm -hmm. and, and what we're seeing in many cases is, is sort of a, a diminishment of competence in these human-to-human -human skills, interpersonal skills, building rapport, the things that Bob Berg talks about in, in his books and his lectures and so on. That that seems to be Yes, maybe given the impact of technology or whatever, is that sort of seems to be on the wane. Um, I believe so, if if you talk, excuse me, I, I just sure. want to say you tapped into something, and I want to I want to stop for a moment and articulate what you're saying because what you're saying is what makes my book so different. Also, so I want to stress this, sure. and I think I think you've hit on something that's really an aha moment and very insightful. Most people will ask me, you know, I need to be really great at my job, right? So if say, let's talk about sales, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll say, what apps do I need to know? What technology do I need to know? How do I, how am I, how can I be on top of my game? And I say, I don't think that's important right now. 
And they go, what do you mean? I say, who you are is more important of how you do things, when you do things, where you do things, and why you do them. Because people will tap into who you are, and that's what will make them align with you. That's what will make them trust you. That's what will make them have confidence in you. And if you're a person of integrity, if you're a person that has competence and you come across as someone they can trust, then whatever you're selling them will be okay. And people don't get that. They're buying from who you are as a person, and that's what this book is about. It talks about who you're going to be. That rebel means step forward in your confidence and competence. Let people know what you're really good at and let them find that they can align themselves with you. You don't have to sell anything to anyone, but present yourself in the best light of who you are. Well, and you make the point in the book that that people too often attribute success to the overwhelming amounts of confidence, right? When they look back and portray a, a successful business person, Steve Jobs, for instance, maybe, and that they downplay the competence, they downplay the hard work component of it. Well, you know, as I said before, Steve Jobs did, you know, he surrounded with himself with smart people. He had to learn. I think he he's the epitome of what I would say. I know people have all kinds of opinions of how he was as a leader, but in some aspects, he really showed us that a true leader is about creating this um, surrounding of where they're constantly learning from others. You could have confidence. You could be a smart person, but you could always learn from someone. So I want to bring up one other facet in there and because it, it starts playing and sort of leads into the whole issue of the polarity of the rebel, which is sort of the imposter syndrome, is the role of luck. So, you know, luck, luck plays a role in everybody's success to some degree or another. Um, how do you see it? But before we go to luck, I would like to talk about the gap because we left that part out. So I want to just illustrate that so people can understand because we left it in the middle. The thing is, is that the rebel who's driven by confidence, which we know is all about competence and capabilities, there is a gap of a person, of a salesperson that feels like the imposter who has self-doubt. And it plays out like this. He'll say or she'll say, you know, I can't go after that client because if they knew that I'm not as smart as I am, that I don't have all the information that I need, that I didn't go to the best schools to learn how to be this person, they're not going to want to align themselves with me and they're not going to want to buy from me. And, you know, all this self-doubt can end up costing you and your greatness. And that's what I mean. You're leading from your gap. So the next time you have to make a call, the next time you have to have a meeting, which is situational, the question that people have to ask themselves is, do I want to stand in my greatness, which is finding the competence and the confidence that you definitely have? Or do you want to lead from feeling like an imposter who has self-doubt? Because even if you, I don't believe in faking it until you're making it, because people pick up on that energy. They mm-hmm. pick up on saying there's something wrong here, but I don't know what it is. Lead with who you are, because what you have is good enough. And so, that's that's what I was saying. It's situational. The next time you're afraid to do something, you have a choice who to be. And then I'll talk about luck. Um In Hebrew, you know, luck is about being prepared at the right time at the right place. I don't think love, uh, luck is mystical or anything like that. It just means you've done a lot of hard work and then you had an opportunity and you recognize the opportunity as something you should take hold of. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's how people create luck. Um, You know, many years ago, there was this book called Law of Attraction and it was like, you think it and it will become it. And the truth is, 
that's great and good and fantastic, but I really believe that you have to create the opportunities, and that means doing the hard work yep. and doing what you need to do in order to recognize those opportunities and circumstances where you can show up and call it luck. Yeah. I mean, my, my father always said, the harder you work, work, the luckier you get. Very smart father. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, and that's certainly been true in, in my career, I've always felt is, yeah, that opportunities present themselves. And then, as you said, is, is then being in the position to take advantage of them and recognize them and take advantage. Yes. So, uh, one thing you'd said, though, is you talk about, yeah, being good enough is good enough. And I thought that was an interesting thing, cause especially if people are worried about sort of being a fraud, an imposter. Um, the other way that you talk about is that, you know, perfectionists, right? Thinking they're not good enough yeah. or not. And I think people suffer from that a lot of times, especially in sales. It's, it's, you know, we have this, this thing where we think customers, and I think it really, I think stems in some part from salespeople's perspective of or perceptions of their customers thinking they're trying to make the absolute best decision. And what their customers are trying to do is, like everybody in the world, they're trying to make a good enough decision to then go on to the next thing they have to do. Yeah. But, you know, um, I suffer, or let me say, I try not to suffer from it as much. But in the very beginning, when I first started out doing what I'm doing right now, being a coach and a consultant, I wanted to be perfect. I thought perfect was a metrics that I should reach in order to be great. But then I found out very early on that perfect doesn't exist. It's not real. There's no such thing as perfection because the truth is we're human beings made out of our imperfections, right? We have these gaps, mm -hmm. right? They do exist. And then I have this, I made this distinction very early on. Well, it make, yes, we need the dark and the light, right? We right. need both of us to be whole person. But I found something interesting with the word perfection. And I felt that if I was going to grow out of that bad habit of trying to be perfect, what did I need to become? Because I would have this void, right? I can't say stop being perfect. So I found that if I told myself that, Lolly, you need to bring excellence to everything that you do, it would allow me to be myself more than having to be perfect. So now these days, and it's been a practice for a long time, is I ask myself, if you're striving for perfection, you won't get it. But if you're striving for excellence and you bring the best of what you have to offer, that should be good enough. And that's what I meant by the book. It's like the best parts of who you are should be good enough. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, sort of last question as we start nearing the end of the show here is, is so how do you how do you cultivate? You talk about cultivating self awareness and assessing your skills. You know, for understanding where you are in the gap is how do you do that? I mean, what are some practical steps people can, can take to say, okay, I need to really think deeply about who I am. So two things. Number one is to get a really great book called The Leadership Gap because it'll give you insight to Perfect who you are. Perfect recommendation. Who wrote that book? <laughs> Lolly Daskal. Mm -hmm. It's only 30 years of her experience. And secondly, I believe that we do very well when we have a coach, when we have outside feedback, because we only know what we know. And even though we're inquisitive, we only can ask the questions of what we know we know about, right? Mm -hmm. So I think... Having someone look in with us, they can ask us in the book, I call them navigators. They're very good at staring the, uh, through a situation. They're very good at guiding us in open-ended questions. If you have somebody in your life that can not fix you, but ask you questions to go deeper, that would be great. So get a coach, read
read a great book and do workshops, listen to podcasts. This is a great podcast. Listen to this wonderful podcast. And then, no, seriously, this can really, you know, it's called Accelerate. This can accelerate your life. It could reassess your life. Excellent advice. So, that's an interesting question to end on is, do you, I mean, you had lots of great quotes on your book. I mean, do you have specific words of wisdom that, that you live by? Absolutely. First of all, I don't compare myself to anybody else. And if I'm going to be measuring myself about who I need to be, it has to come from within. I find that if I'm busy comparing myself to others, I won't get anywhere. And if I find that if I'm only measuring about who I am and where I want to go, I can get further. And I think that most people don't realize this, but greatness lies within everyone. We just have to choose it. It's a destiny that is our choice, and we have to tap into it. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Lolly, thank you very much for joining me today. Tell folks how they can get your book and how they can connect with you. So, please visit uh, the leadershipgapbook.com and pre-order the book because there's amazing, amazing bonuses. There's a free assessment that most people pay $97 for. It's free if you order the book. And if you want to find me, you can find me at lollydaskell.com and I'm available on social media. I love to connect um, and speak to people. So, tweet me, write to me, connect with me, whatever you need to do. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Please come back and join us again tomorrow. Uh, until then, really appreciate if you take a minute, go to iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a review for Accelerate. We really want to know what we can do to make this a better experience for you. So again, thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.